on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. James Winchester from the Kansas City Chiefs joins us for an interview. James discusses his NFL career and lets us know what it's like to win a Super Bowl and what it's like to lose a Super Bowl. We look at some of the marquee games on OU's future schedules and discuss where we'd like to see the Sooners play in the future in the National College Football Roundup, bringing the latest college football news, including Matt Campbell signing another extension at Iowa State, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download, subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? My man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Wednesday, February 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC Difference Program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordOfOKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Now we're recording this on Tuesday night, night early. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know who you want us to try to get on the podcast. We've got James Winchester from the Kansas City Chiefs. Someone in the Apple reviews was like, hey man, Show the special teams guys some love. And we're like, you know what? We have a guy that just played in the Super Bowl. Now, it didn't go the way he wanted, Ted, but we reached out to Winchester, and hey, here he is. He played well. That's all That's all we're, we're asking for is he played well. Um, he got one last year. He's been to another one, so you can't really complain with that. So it'll be a fun interview. Now, we're in your podcast feed a day early because Teddy Lehman and his wife – Maybe the smartest people on the planet while we are all going to freeze our asses off all week. The layman's are headed to Mexico, huh? I mean, how, how smart do you feel right now? I am so jealous. I feel smart or I guess I feel lucky. I, I am a little bit nervous. I mean, I do get a little bit worried leaving my house for a week, whenever it's going to be, the coldest during a long stretch and it's been in like 30 years. So I do worry about that a little bit, but I can't be, I'll fix it when I get back. If something, something messes up. 
what what's the number one thing you're supposed to do what unhook the hoses right hoses are unhooked we're ready to roll i mean uh, the beers are on standby gabe so let's just start i don't want to i don't want (laughs) to talk about that all right let's start with ou news and really the main thing ou football put out something about ou's future schedules in it they say that OU will face eight FBS programs in the next 16 years that rank in the top 14 programs in all-time victories. Basically, they're saying they've scheduled Blue Bloods or at least something close to it here in the future. And, and Teddy, I found the timing a little interesting. Do you think that they put this out because they may or may not have heard you roast the schedule that is coming up this season. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I'm probably too hard on it. Listen, I know it's difficult to get people to agree to play. I know that's hard. You can't just call up Alabama and Clemson and be like, Hey guys, you know what sounds cool? Let's play next year in the, in the non-conference. We've done as good a job as anyone scheduling relevant names you know, in almost every single season. And you have to do it so far out to get people to agree to it that sometimes whenever that game comes around where, well, those teams aren't any good. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that. But we've done a good job. But it shouldn't be, and, and this isn't a complaint for Oklahoma, this is a complaint for college football. It shouldn't be like a bragging point about you're going to face eight FBS programs in the next 16 years that rank in the top, like that should be the norm, right? Especially for the upper tier teams, that should be the norm. But everyone dodges one another, and I understand why, because in college football, you lose a game, it can ruin your entire season. And, you know, I'm I'm all for the regular season meaning a whole lot, sure, but I still like to see really good matchups. I mean, you went to Florida State. I went to, to play at Alabama. I mean, that's what fans really love, and that what make, that's what makes the sport really, really enjoyable. And, you know, unfortunately in our conference, you know, we don't have a whole lot of those, those top-ranked teams. Like, they're talking about the eight FBS programs that rank in the top 14 uh, wins all time. They ain't in the Big 12. Like, we don't get a whole lot of those matchups, so I feel like OU fans are clamoring for those type of games even more. That's a great point. And you look at the teams that OU is going to play here in the future, and I know some of them are a long way off, right? 2033. Like, I, I understand that it's kind of hard to get excited for – OU's trip to Clemson in 2035, like like I understand, but they've got Nebraska home and home, a couple of them, right? They've got Georgia home and home with a weird gap in between. They've got Tennessee, you know, Michigan home and home, LSU home and home, Alabama, Clemson. Uh, I, I know some of these games are forever away, but this is what you want if you're an OU fan. This is what you want to see every single year is a game like this and we'll see the other games that fill in around this game. But I, I feel like OU fans will be less pissed about them playing a couple cupcakes. If they get a marquee game like this every year in the non-conference and 
Joe Castiglione and the leadership, they, they've done a good job, right? You, you can't, w- with how far you have to schedule these out, like you can't make a team be good 10 years down the road. Like sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But I, I think these are the types of games that college football fans want to see. And Teddy, you mentioned the Big 12. Uh, there's a lot of talk about scheduling philosophy, right? You want your schedule to be balanced, but the reality is the big 12's reputation is what it is right now. It's not tremendous, right? In football, it's kind of OU and everyone else at this point. I mean, Iowa State's earned more respect. We'll see what Sark can do at Texas. You know, Oklahoma State's been consistently solid, but OU's reputation is great, but these are the types of games that, that I look at. It, it, it can elevate OU even more because they're not playing an SEC schedule. They're, they're not even playing a Big Ten schedule. They can't use that on the recruiting trail, but you can point to these games, you know, playing Georgia, playing Michigan, playing LSU, playing Bama, and you can recruit around these types of games like, hey, come win a conference championship and come play in some of the biggest non-conference games in all of college football. I I think that is a good strategy for OU to use on the recruiting trail as well. No, I I agree 100%. There's an easy fix to all of this. If you just say you win your conference, you're in the playoff, if that ever happens – you can open up your non-conference and play Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia in the same year every year, or Miami, USC, Michigan, Ohio. Like you can start playing all those teams and not feel like it's going to destroy your entire season if you lose. You win your conference, you're in the playoff, which is kind of how it should be, anyways. So I don't know. Maybe at some point we'll get to that with an expanded playoff, but in the near time, I think Joe C and Oklahoma is doing everything they can. Yeah, and I think Joe Castiglione is scheduling some of these games with that in mind. Like, the, the playoff's going to expand. We all know that that's inevitable, right? There, there's too much money to be made uh, for it not to expand, right? And we, we want to see college football continue to grow. We want to have more people more engaged throughout the season if, from, from every area of the country, right? Even those people out there on the West Coast. Even you. Out there yeah, in the Pac-12. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. But I, I do think that some of these scheduling, th- these games that are being scheduled, like some of these decisions are being made with college football playoff expansion in mind. It, it's coming, and I think it's going to be great for college football. Now, I love the four, but that expansion leading to more big-time non-conference games early in the season, that is what we all want. That's going to be awesome, and I can't wait. Uh, one other thing. Oh, I was just going to add one more small complaint. If we are going to pay a school to come play, why is it not Tulsa every year? I would much rather keep Oklahoma's money in state and have it go to a program that we would prefer to do well than to send it out of state to who 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 care Western Carolina's athletic program. I don't give two rips about Western Carolina's athletic program. 
keep that money in state. And I think Tulsa is a fine program. They serve the perfect perfect purpose. They're a decent team, and you should beat them every single year. That's what you want. That's perfect. And if you can keep those dollars in state and that money in your athletic program in our state, I think that is the best way to approach it. This is why they pay you the big bucks for big brain <laughs> ideas like that, buddy. That's and I, I agree. Uh, I think that uh, I think that's a great idea. I w- I would love for OU to play Tulsa certainly more often than they do. I, would I mind it every year? No. That's that's what Oklahoma State is essentially doing, right? I mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great idea, Ted. Now, one other thing that could affect OU football. Chris Del Conte, the athletic director there at Texas, said that Texas is eyeing April 24th for their spring game. And Ted, I think it's probably safe to say that OU wouldn't want to have theirs the same Saturday as Texas with kind of, especially because the goal would be for the dead period to end right on April 15th and to be able to hopefully uh, safely and social distance and all that stuff, like bring recruits on campus and have them, uh, you know, enjoy the atmosphere and be able to see these, you know, see your facilities in person. So it it seems like April 25th would be off the table for OU, but I don't know. Is that, am I buying too much into that? Are you giving, are you telling me Thursday night spring game? Is that what you're telling me, Gabe? I, I don't know about that, but oh, okay. I, I just thought, don't you well, think we it did would it be... last year on Friday night, right? Uh, right. Not last year, but the year before, I thought that was awesome. They had a big party down on campus corner, had a band out. I mean, that type of stuff would be cool because you're right. No one has been able to see recruits for a year. So whenever that thing opens up, everyone across the country is going to be having their spring game pretty close to the same time. And it's going to be really tough to get the guys that you want to come in, it's going to be really competitive. So yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I guess you could push it back as long as you want, but at some point there, you know, it makes it really tough because of what finals for the spring semester, getting the guys out a little bit and some of the necessary time that they have to have off before you start summer workouts. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably going to want to dodge. I don't know what how many windows that leaves you would have been nice to schedule yours first and have everyone else schedule around you but i don't know it's just kind of the game that you have to play right now yeah so we'll see we'll see uh, okay let's move on to call your shot and we got a lot of responses for this one ted uh, a whole lot wasn't able to sort through all of them but i picked three or four that we could discuss because we asked you guys where you would want ou to go play you know Road game, where would you want OU to go play and why? And got so many responses, but here's one from at Kurt Crawford 5. He says, if I had to pick just one school, it would be Texas A&M. After beating down every Texas school, OU would own the state as far as recruiting is concerned. Also, it's fun beating an SEC team annually. Uh, Drew Gastineau at D Gastineau 56 says, Always wanted to get something set up with Penn State. Think yeah. Happy Valley would be badass during a whiteout. That one, yeah, that would be pretty sweet. And then uh, <laughs> this this Twitter handle at i underscore kill underscore pop tarts. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, of course. Uh, he says P 
pending they can play good, consistent football and reach their potential, I'd love to see OU square off with USC at their best. Any of those. So if OU, and I know that they've got some really good teams on the future schedules, right? Now, I understand that. But is there any one place, Ted, that you would want to see them go play? Yes. And I have to give it up to uh, my co-host on my show, Tyler McComas, because he brought this to my attention. Now, he said UNLV to play in Vegas, to be in that new stadium, and I will just add this, USC neutral site in Vegas. Uh, To play in the air conditioning, uh, season opener, Labor Day weekend, to have the holiday weekend, maybe stay a couple extra days out in Vegas. I think that would be awesome. That new stadium is sweet. I love Vegas, and you get to play Blue Blood. Give me that all day long. That that would be dangerous. Yeah. That would be dangerous. Now Very I'm gonna true. give I'm gonna give one of our listeners at Asbel underscore Tony some credit for this one because he said Wisconsin. Yeah. Atmosphere at yes. Camp Randall Stadium, good beer, cheese, and brats. I think first of all, I, I love the home and home because I, I want to go see some of those stadiums, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize how big of a city Madison is. It's like the second biggest city in Wisconsin. And everybody I've ever met that has gone to Wisconsin, guys I played with in the NFL, they're awesome. And they love to drink and they love to eat and they're fantastic guys. I think that would be fun. I think the people of Wisconsin and the people of Oklahoma would get along. I think we're kind of cut from the same cloth. We're probably a little better looking than them. But other than that, I would love, I would love that. That would be fun. Wisconsin. Yeah, and that follows one of the the many rules of thumb whenever it comes to non-conference games. Unless you're playing in a dome, you always travel north for non-conference, not south, okay, early in the season. So get up there in some some nicer weather, maybe a little bit cooler weather. Yeah, I've never never been there, never been to Madison, never seen that that stadium. I mean, I really – any of the Big Ten schools that you want to – whether it's uh, Penn State, uh, I guess Michigan, uh, obviously Wisconsin. I mean, I'm down for any of those. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, one piece of Oklahoma State news. Uh, L.D. Brown, he never made any sort of formal announcement that he's returning next season for Oklahoma State, but I've been told he's enrolled, he's going to class, he is working out in Oklahoma State's offseason program. And people really close to that program say the coaches for Oklahoma State say that L.D. Brown's all in for next season. This is hard for some people to believe, Teddy. But it's quite possible that a good college football player decided to come back to school and didn't feel the need to put out some sort of graphic telling all of us on social media. Can you believe it? it did L.D. Brown just become one of our favorite players? I think so. I mean, I can hear people now. What are you talking about? He hasn't said that yet. I follow him on Twitter. He has not announced that. Um, I think the the announcement is a pretty new thing. Like, there was a point whenever a, a handful of guys, like some of the biggest players in college football that had a decision, would make an announcement that they're going pro, and it was a big deal. 
now we've got every single guy across the country making an announcement whether they're going or staying. It's a bit overkill. So, yeah, I love this. Just show up, practice, get better in the offseason, and go play some football. I love it. Yeah. I – man. Did you do an announcement? Because, like, you could have left early. No, I didn't do an announcement. Uh, we that was got a dumb the, question. I apologize. <laughs> we got on the bus after the Rose Bowl, and we were about to, you know, go back, get on the plane, and fly home. And I'm sitting there on the defensive bus, and Derek Strait come, comes up and, like, kind of bends over next to the, the seat. He's like, hey, man. Are you gonna you gonna go to the draft or are you gonna come back and, and play another year? I was like, go to the draft? What are you talking about? Of course I'm coming back and playing another year. Are you crazy? He's like, Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. Me too. <laughs> and it just walked off. That's I never had I had never even considered it, never thought about it, never gave it one split second of thought until he said that after the game. And I was just like, no. I mean, of course not. I I didn't think I was at that point ever good enough, but I mean, there's clearly guys that need to make that decision and we know who those guys are. It's not the backup running back for most of the season. You know what I'm saying? It's just show up and play. We've got an epidemic of too many guys going pro. <laughs> I love Dude, I love you. You're just you're, you're so funny sometimes. Well, I mean, I honestly, I hate it. I wish that if you, just because you get an agent and want to declare for the draft, if you don't get drafted, I wish you could come back to college. I mean, the, the, the consequences. What they do in basketball. Yeah, it, it's too severe. Kinda. You know, or, or let a guy make a decision, you know, based on the, where he was drafted. I mean. I, I, I hate that you make this decision, you go and you don't get drafted. And it's like, well, now what, you know, now what am I going to do? I'm kind of stuck in, in purgatory here. So I wish guys had the ability to come back if they, if they didn't get drafted. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how they can make that work. What college basketball does, right. Is you, you can go do all the combine and the workout stuff and then decide now there's a deadline, right. But you can decide, say, Hey, you know, uh, I've gotten some feedback after doing all this stuff and, no, I don't like what I'm hearing, so I'm going to come back. I, I think something like that in college football now would it be I difficult. I like baseball. Yeah. College baseball is now if you get drafted and you don't like your position and you don't sign, you can come back. But if you come back, what is it? You're locked in for two more years. Isn't that how it goes? Yeah, something I mean, like that. Or yeah, you got to wait till you're a junior or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind something like that to where you get to see where you're drafted and, and actually see if it's worth going or not. But I mean, that's what the lot of, a lot of, a lot of rounds and NFL would not draft a guy if they thought there's a chance he was going to opt out and they got zero out of the deal. So I don't know. It's a, it's, it's tough. I understand that it, there's no easy answer, but I hate seeing all these guys declare and then never, never play a snap in the, in the pros. I think we, we may have just outed ourselves. People may not know we're big baseball guys now. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. We, we've got an interview with James Winchester, but first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. 
checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier in Go Bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And don't forget to go buy some rock and roll tequila. Rock and roll tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take our word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. It is our pleasure to be joined by a two-time Big 12 champion. He is also a Super Bowl champion and runner-up, but we won't speak of that. Yes, we will, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, we have to. He is also the pride of Washington, Oklahoma, and the most athletic long snapper on planet Earth. James Winchester, the rifleman, is in the house. What's up, man? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks, Teddy, for having me on. Okay. Uh, I hate to start here, but it's it's fresh. Uh, I'm sure the pain <laughs> is is still there for you, but I I, I don't want to say what happened, but just just how. How bad does it suck to go lose the Super Bowl? I don't know how else to ask it other than that, man. Like that had to be terrible. Well, you know, yeah, it's a it's a it's a double sided question there because you know, I mean, uh, going to the first Super Bowl of my career last year and winning, and then going to one and losing. I mean, I would like to say it's nice to have one under your belt, um, having won last year. But at the same time, yeah, it, it's exactly what you would think. It it sucks, uh, pretty bad, and especially uh, I think to lose to uh, Brady and Gronk that. He is terrorized. Those, both of those guys have terrorized us even when I came into the league in 15. I mean, it's like every year, you know, New England, and then that goes to a new team, and you're thinking like, ah, you know, it won't be, and then boom, they get you. So it's uh, it sucks pretty bad. I mean, uh, obviously you have high hopes going in with the team that we had, and and uh, just we got beat, you know. I mean, credit to credit to their players, team, uh, you know, coaches, Todd Bowles. I mean, that dude had did an incredible job in that game, and, and uh, yeah, they, they kicked our tail. I'm interested in what it was like the second time and compared to the first time, like forget the football game, like the week leading up to it, the ticket situation, like (laughs) the fact that you guys, what you didn't fly down there until was, did you go down Saturday? Yeah. Day before Saturday. I mean, just like a travel game. I mean, we, we played in all of that stuff, like all the parties, the week up, like how different was the whole, just the whole atmosphere and game leading up to it. 
Um, so different. I mean, you know, obviously this year has been, been crazy for everybody and, and this COVID deal. And, and, um, so yeah, we flew down I mean, we played uh, Tampa down there in week 12 and, uh, we flew down Saturday, just like an away game, just like we did in week 12, uh, same hotel, everything. I mean, other than when you got to the stadium and, you know, all the, um, banners and, and, uh, the field was much nicer and, you know, the halftime show, all that. I mean, it, it just felt like a normal business trip, you know, like any other week. So, um, last year we got kind of the total experience. Um, and there was definitely more uh, distractions, you know, I mean, um, you get there the whole week, but your families are there. I mean, there's fun stuff to do and, you know, you're staying focused, but you're also having a good time. And, and so, uh, definitely missed that, but, you know, we honestly felt like this year it was just more of a business like, you know, uh, trip down and, and, uh, felt really good about it. And then, you know, just, uh, didn't, didn't go our way. So a lot was made of it being the first time a team was playing in their home stadium yeah. for a Super Bowl. Did you feel like that was a factor at all? Because it, it was kind of hard to tell what the atmosphere was like just sitting and watching it on TV. Like, did, did it feel like a road game or do you think do you think that really mattered at all? Yeah, I mean, I would like to say it, it didn't matter. Um, I mean, there was definitely more Tampa fans in that stadium than there were Kansas City, which is odd. You know, I mean, obviously, Kansas City, big fan base and uh, typically travel well. I mean, when we played in Miami, there was more Chiefs fans than were San Francisco. So um, it was a little different, you know, and then you got a pirate ship on one end. So, I mean, it did feel a little bit <laughs> a little bit strange. I mean, they didn't get they didn't let them fire off the cannons too much. Um, but um it, it did. It was, um, you know, obviously doctored up with all the banners and everything. The field was incredible. Um, so it felt like a Super Bowl, but, you know, we had played them down there week 12. So it's like, it's like, okay, this, this is you guys home, you know, this is kind of weird. But at the same time, you know, I felt like going in, everybody had a good uh, mental mindset and, and just um, was ready to roll. And, you know, obviously uh, we kind of got kicked in the teeth. <laughs> I know the typical line is that, you know, you don't think about last year and you approach every game and every season the exact same, but I mean, is it different after you've won a Super Bowl year two, just motivation wise? I mean, you've got a Super Bowl ring in the bag already. Is, is that desperation and preparation there? Like everyone's life depends on this game. Is it harder to recreate that in a back-to-back -back scenario? Um, yeah, I think so. And, and I think, um, you know, all season, um, the guys did an incredible job. I mean, the team coaches, um, everyone around the organization, I mean, there was a, a hunger to get back and go win another one. You know, we had this whole run it back tour going on and, and, um, surprisingly, um, with the personnel on our team, I mean, guys were, were really motivated and focused just week to week. You know, I mean, it's easy to say run it back, you know, in August, September, October, you know, but to put it together and to be in a position, to go actually, you know, make a run in the playoffs, get the number one seed, make a run and, and um, go play in a Super Bowl. I mean, that it's a, it's something that was pretty incredible to be a part of and also witness. Um, and guys did a great job with it, but, you know, you get there to, uh, you know, to the game time and, and uh, you know, it just, it, it seemed like um, more of a business trip. Like, you know, we don't have the whole week. I think, I think it honestly kind of favored us better in a way, not having the whole week, you know, guys have done, been there, done that. It was kind of like, hey, you know, Tampa's, you know, the team that hasn't really been there, done that, other than obviously the guys on the team who had gone um, and done it a lot of times, like old Tom. But, um, you know, so we kind of felt like, hey, this is a business trip. You know, go take care of business. Let's go do it. And, and um, you know, I can't speak for 
the guys in the defensive and offensive room because I wasn't in there with them. But, um, you know, we felt special teams wise, you know, we were focused in and ready to go. And and uh, obviously had some ups and downs in that game and and uh, didn't work out for us. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, overall, you know, with the COVID and everything and the training camp, how that was all, um, you know, kind of skewed and we went into it and kind of a ramp up phase and then had a certain amount of training camp. And, we, you know, we didn't really know if we we're going to have a season. Um, and then you get in, you're like, you know, you get to week one and they're like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe we'll get to week five, you know, before those things like pull, they pull the plug. And then we just kept going. And um, yeah, I think it did an incredible job just week to week and, and staying hungry. And, and um, unfortunately, didn't work out for us in the big game. Uh, I'm sorry to make you keep reliving this pain, James, but <laughs> it's I, okay. It's fresh. It's fresh. Yeah, it's, it's right. fresh. It's fresh. But Mahomes and, and the team, you guys have come back so many times right going back to last year's playoffs not run coming back in all of those games coming back in the super bowl down 20 mm-hmm. to 10 was there what what was what was the attitude like in the locker room at halftime was it one of those things where it's like hey we're gonna come back we're going to win this game or did this one feel different did it feel different at some point in time there in the second half on the sideline because uh, i think a lot yeah. of people were like okay they're gonna make the move they're gonna make the move and it, it just never happened yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, last year um, and really this year, too, I mean, in season or, or playoffs, I mean, it, it has that feel, you know, with with Mahomes, like, you know, you just there's no deficit you can't overcome. And typically, you know, you're, you're within a couple scores and that's that's nothing for us in our offense. So, um, you know, halftime, great vibes like, hey, you know, we got another half. We can do it. We've done it before. Um, you know, nobody ever kind of hung their head. I mean, everybody stuck together and, you know, let's go execute and you know, um, we just didn't execute, you know, I mean, I get to the second half and it was just like, you know, whether a penalty or, uh, you know, a, a, um, a turnover or a punt and then, you know, and, or a punt that, you know, uh, didn't go for, you know, the long, as long as we wanted, you know, and, and, um, just didn't flip the field. And, and, uh, once it snowballed and it got to a point where Tom's coming out and they're just running the ball and just throwing the flats and just kind of milking it. And I mean, you see, you've seen him do that just year after year, just, in his comfort zone and you're just like, crap, you know, that's when you were kind of like, this is, you know, you're running against obviously the time on the clock um, and you're kind of counting like the possessions, you know, we weren't going to have this many possessions. And, you know, when we were uh, getting shut out on fourth down, it, it, it looked pretty, uh, pretty dim at that point. So yeah, de- definitely. I mean, that's the first time I've really felt bad in two years, three years, I guess, you know, cause even 18, um, there was never really a game that, that, uh, you know, we felt like we were out of ever. Walk us through the snap that the punter dropped. Now, I played on punt team my whole life, and there's the dreaded roar whenever there's not supposed to be a roar from the crowd, right? So, Because I know yeah. you fire that thing back there, and then you get into protection, <clears throat> and you probably thought it felt like a good snap, and then you heard that roar. Did, did you panic? I mean, what would you go um, through? That? You know, I thought somebody got a hand on it. I mean, I, I, I snapped it blocked my guy I and mean, I knew that um I knew it was a good snap so I didn't I didn't doubt that at all but uh, well it was you know, perfect James roar, so you're right it was perfect <laughs> <laughs> well I appreciate that I do um I, I honestly did not know he dropped it until we got to halftime um coach said something about it in there you know I said yeah, it was kind of funny like you know it's like you know you kind of have this like internal you know you're on punt team um you both of you guys I mean you kind of have this internal um clock in your head and you know you know at, at right at that two two uh, second mark you know the ball is going to be out and so when it goes a little longer than that um, and you hear, ooh, you know, it's like eh, something bad happened, you know, and you want to like look back, but the ball was punted. So 
I didn't know that uh, that it was dropped. Um, just heard the the ooh, like you said, and, and that's not one that you want to hear. Um, and then found out later that's what happened. So yeah, I mean, a rookie just uh, it's one of those things. I mean, you know, we can't got to got to have a better execution in, in that situation. And you know, us as a punt team, you know, we, we kind of feel like we we kind of failed our, uh, our our defense there. You know, we got to put them in a better spot. And you know, you can't give that guy the ball. Um, you know, with that bad field position and, and not that far to go. So um, it was, yeah, it was, uh, like you said, you were on the punt team, both of you guys, y'all know that uh, that, that sounds not good. Do you, do you say anything or, or do you like, he knows that I don't need to go give him any like raw, raw or anything. You just let him do his thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I came to the sideline and I was like, what happened? You know, like I was asking guys like, what happened? What was the, ooh, did somebody get through, you know, cause that's what I do. I mean, you know, yeah. if you hear that, typically you're like, somebody probably came through and got a hand close or on it. So, like, where did they come from? So, you know, go pick up the surface, figure out where. So, I, my first thing was, like, what happened? What, and they just kind of blew it off. And then we got to halftime, and that's when someone told me he dropped it. And, then, you know, I mean, that, that is what it is. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely the dreaded, uh, you know, uh, mental error that, you know, some guys go through. And, and uh, not 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 the game you want to have it in, but, uh Yeah. <laughs> Now that we've made you relive the panic and pain, <laughs> all the bad moments, all of, all of the worst parts of that game, I, I did want to talk about your career because I, I'm not sure people realize how competitive uh, deep snapping is in the National Football League and how there's only 32 jobs and unlike a lot of positions, like guys, once once an organization finds their guy, like they can be there for a decade plus and it's just really hard to break in. So I, I want to go back to after pro day at OU, right? I mean, you, you crush the testing at OU, you get into what was it? Eagles camp, right? Yeah. So walk me through that, like that, that initial opportunity. What, what was that like for you at the deep snapping position? Yeah, you know, the three years after college were pretty pretty wild. Um, so 2012, uh, spring of 2012, we had a pro day. Um, I didn't get any looks because I was I didn't have the experience as a uh, wide receiver um, and I didn't have the weight as a long snapper. So I was kind of in this limbo. Uh, the only opportunity, this is kind of a fun fact, the only opportunity I got was uh, spring of 2012 after the draft, I got a uh, tryout wide receiver spot with Kansas City. So I flew to Kansas City and had like a three uh, three day you know run at, and Romeo Cornell was the head coach at the time and there were some guys who were here I didn't see most of the guys that were here because obviously it was a rookie camp so it was mostly you know rookies as that goes um, but yeah kind of full circle that was neat um, Coach Gibbs was up here at the time so knew a couple guys but um, yeah I I uh, got a job in oil and gas and started working as a landman down in uh, Davis Oklahoma and. Um, kind of got to a point uh, kind of like late 2012 where I was still in that limbo and coach Gibbs had kind of told me like, Hey, I know you want to play wide receiver, but you know, you basically, you don't have the experience. I mean, you know that, um, but you have the ability to snap. You don't have the weight. So I'm like, well, basically it's the end of the road here, or I gain the weight and have a shot. It's like I gain the weight and have a 1% chance or I have a zero right now. So that's what I did. I got with Pete Martinelli, uh, my dad's old strength coach, coach Switzer's old strength coach. And, uh, man, he got me on like this crazy diet and, and, uh, weightlifting regimen over at the health, uh, the, uh, oh, what the heck's it called? Health the club. Um, health club in Norman. And, um, got to that point, I got, got my weight up in like uh, a little three months or so. 
got up from like 210 to 240 and then started getting looks from the Bills, uh, Green Bay. They bring me in for like one day camps. And then I signed with the Eagles, like you'd mentioned, um, in August of 2013. And that was kind of like my first opportunity in. It was like, hey, here's a foot in the door. Um, guy goes down. I actually texted Lane Johnson. I'm like, hey, uh, your snapper just went down. Like, say something, you know. And um, I had been with Lane down in Groveton um, just by chance when uh, Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach, came down to work him out. And so he had actually got me on film uh, snapping the ball a little bit. So I'm like, hey, you know, you guys got film. So and I text uh, Ken, my agent, and, and uh, said, you know, tell them about me. And sure enough, I get a call. And they're like, hey, you know, get on a plane this evening and come to Philly. So I filled in for John Dornboss for a couple of games. And, and uh, basically out of that opportunity, um, I realized that I need to get a lot better one at snapping and two at blocking because I would, uh, I would snap the ball in that preseason game. And like the dudes are already passed me. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta figure this thing out. Like if I'm going to play in this league, I gotta get a lot better. So that was a, a good, you know, foot in the door, but at the same time, uh, it kind of showed me what I needed to do. So got a golf net, started working in the backyard and just snapping balls into it. And, and uh, kind of during the winter time and, Got a couple looks in 2014, one with Cleveland Browns in rookie camp, and then uh, a one-day um, stint with um, Indianapolis like in April. And then that was it. Same thing, work, still working oil and gas. And then 15 rolled around. I was about to get married. Um, granted, I had gone to a specialist camp three years in a row, uh, 13, 14, and 15 out in Arizona. A guy by the name of Gary Zahner puts that on, and it's for kicker punters and snappers, and he does a free agent camp. And I had gone to that, and that's kind of where I got those looks from those teams. And uh, went to Arizona, was about to get married, and uh, kind of had decided, I don't know. I, he had a fee to that camp. It was like a $400 fee or something. And I'm like, man, I mean, weddings are expensive. I don't know if I should <laughs> put the money on the, you know, like I was like, you know, I mean, you're thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be a grown man here and, and help pay for my wedding. So um, I actually didn't, the guy had reached out and said, hey, like, you know, the stuff you know for the registration for the campus due and I didn't respond to him well he called me coach Zahner called me and was like hey I didn't see your name on the list I was just giving guys that had formerly been to this camp um a call who had you know signed with teams previously and I didn't see your name and I was just like well I've been training I'm like yeah coach I'll do it and that's kind of what like led me to go to this camp and that's where I got signed by Kansas City so went to the camp did a great job and had like three teams that were interested and and uh obviously Kansas City was the best situation with their snapper. They had a snapper that they, they told me they weren't going to sign back. And so, you know, they're like, we're going to bring you and another guy in to work out. And it was close to home. So boom, flew there, uh, worked out, signed, um, ended up beating that kid out and been there ever since 2015. So uh, right place at the right time. And that also applies to uh, the team. Cause man, I got to play for some great teams and, and still doing it. So it's wild. Do you work with anyone? Most deep snappers also like work with the linebackers or work with tight ends as a position group and sit through <laughs> meetings. Do you do any of that? No, no, not at all. I, nice. uh, I, I, um, I had this thought in my head when I came to Kansas City. You know, like my first first day, I walk up to sign, and you know, John Dorsey's, you know, checking out my hand size and everything. And then Coach Reed walks around the corner, and first thing Coach Reed says, he's like, "You play some tight end." And I'm like, yeah, coach. Like, yeah, you know, I'm like, and, and I was just like, going to be honest with you. I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, I'm a little better, like split out. I'm not so much blocking. Like I kind of said something along the lines, like, cause I'm like, I'm not going to lie to him and get buried, like trying to block. A little better in so, space. So I was like, coach, uh, I've only been um, 240 for like, you know, two years. So just like, give me a break. I can play the wide out. So, um, but short, obviously short conversation, but uh he never, you know, I thought about jumping out there with the, uh, with the wide outs and, you know, tight ends and running some stuff. Um, 
but in a competition with a snapper, I'm like, man, I got to get, you know, get my foot in the door as a long snapper before I can kind of, you know, start jumping around. I mean, it, you know, our, every bit of my focus was long snapping at that point. And then once I made it, you know, other than running down on kickoff, you know, or uh, playing on kickoff return on the scout teams and things like that. I mean, I watched those guys practice like Travis Kelsey and some of those guys. And I'm just like, dude, I can't hang with these cats. Like these guys are, these guys, I mean, I had a lot of pride as an athlete coming out of college. And after a couple of years, I kind of just swallowed that pride. And I was like, dude, I mean, I could go out there and make a catch here and there, but to do what they do and practice like they do every single day, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to stick to long snapping. So that's uh, that was kind of the decision I made. So that first year, like you, you beat the other guy out there in Kansas city. Well, what's that like when, when you're playing? Because it is, uh, I mean, it's a fragile position, right? You, you mess up one time and everyone knows, but did you kind of feel that pressure? Because I know you had the job, but you, you weren't exactly an established guy. Like you hadn't been there five years already. So yeah. was there <laughs> yeah, that you know, pressure each game? Well, you know, you, you make the team and you get the call and it's like, you know, the best call of your life. Like, hey, you know, you, you made the team. And it's like you would think they had this feeling of like, hey, I made it. And then you're looking at it and you're like, dude, I got to play in 17 games now. And like our opening uh, game is against Houston Texans. And we've got Jadavian Clowney and Watt that are showing up on punt. And you're like, my gosh. I mean, like, so like, it's not like, hey, man, I've, I've made it. This is awesome. It's like, dude, I got to go earn this every single week and, and prove it because I'm a rookie and everybody's looking at me like, hey, is this guy going to pan out? You know, is he going to be able to handle the pressure? So, I mean, it was literally week to week um, that first year. And, you know, I, mean, I take it week to week every year, but especially that year. Um, and those dudes were right out the gate, had to block those cats. I got a funny, quick little side story on that. So when I was in Detroit, I think it was my second year, uh, about mid-season, we had a deep snapper, had a bad snap to a punter, rolled it back, punt got blocked, and they cut him after the game. So they bring some guys in, work some people out, and they sign deep snapper, Don Muehlbach. Uh, the mule. I think he might still. I think Dude, he might still. He's be still there. there. He was, You're absolutely right. He was he there when you were in Detroit, and he, he was there when I was Dude. in Detroit. Dude, he is he, the I, Nolan Ryan of long snappers. He is incredible. It's uh, he can fire the football. So they they hire him or sign him, and in the first game, we play the Minnesota Vikings at home. We're down. We have a, a two minute drive as the clock expires. Touchdown. All we've got to do is kick the extra point and go to overtime. Mulebach rolls the snap back. We missed the extra point. Game over. Never even got the kickoff. And they didn't cut him. And he's been there ever since for yeah. however long that's been, 15 that years. Is, uh, that is it's not crazy. the way you want to start. But it, a it. testament it's... to how that guy snaps. I mean, he's still there. You're right. That that's I did not know that story. That's great. Um, dude, it's, it's – um, he really is. I mean, we, we literally refer to him as like the Nolan Ryan of long snappers. And like most guys, you know, as their career progresses, they might lose a little velocity. Like, I think he got faster. I mean, like, I have never seen a guy throw a ball as fast it's as Mule. Crazy. And he's still going. I mean, knees might not be as great anymore, but hey, he's still, you know, he's still doing the snap first. So, uh, you know, and, and I, I feel his pain a little bit because, you know, my first snap in, in my college career uh, went over uh, Mike Nall's uh, head in 2008 for a uh, safety 
for uh, Tennessee Chattanooga. So, um, you know, went ahead and uh, just donated that and Brett Venables wanted to kill me. So, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess you can look at it as like, um, it can only go up from here, you know, like as long as I'm still not fired, like it, it can only get better. I mean, it sucks, but not the way you want to draw it up. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about some of the OU stuff because obviously I, I would, for, for some reason I was on punt team for a long time with you and I, Were you the guy that just stands back there and gets did this. drilled by the guy I did, that I like gave him the signal? <laughs> I gave him the signal. Hey, James, snap it! But when you look back on your college career, like what are some of the favorite memories? Right? Obviously, everyone remembers the streak of the fumble recoveries. Like oh, I, yeah. I still remember that. But when you look back on it, like what are the highlights for you? Yeah, I mean, kind of like what you just said. I mean, you know, the, the Texas fumble recovery. I mean, that was a special one for me. I mean, growing up. You know, watching guys like Teddy make plays in that game. I mean, just just wanting to, um, you know, and obviously as a long snapper, you know, you don't have very many opportunities. So, you know, my thing was like make a play, and and to actually get to make a play in that game was was incredibly special uh, to me. And um, you know, the other fumble recoveries, tackles. You know, obviously same thing. You know, you don't get an opportunity to make a tackle very much. So when you do, it's special. Um, and then you know, just the overall career. I mean, you know, I had a blast with you guys. It was my dream to play at Oklahoma. So you know, get to walk on and then earn a scholarship and play. And, you know, didn't get a lot of time at wide receiver, but just, just competing. And, and um, you know, I was kind of that guy, like, which is probably why I'm still playing, kind of had that mentality of, like, you know, I'm going to prove it. So, like, that's why I was so stubborn for so long playing wide out because I'm like, dude, I can play with these guys. Like, I can do it. You know, I wish I would go back and, you know, could go back in time and tell myself, like, dude, give it up, gain weight, start snapping, you know, figure out the pro-style blocking. And then, you know, you maybe get in the NFL a little earlier. But I was – young and dumb, wanted to prove it and, and, um, you know, kept, kept trying, but, you know, as a, um, you know, fairly good athlete, I felt like, um, you know, I had a chance and it was fun. I mean, just the whole career, but those highlights probably stick out the most, you know, in Texas, that's probably the number one. Still follow the, uh, the team quite a bit. I know it can be difficult with the NFL schedule, but you still make it a point, watch the games, follow the Sooners. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, in my years in Kansas City, you know, we've had, um, you know, several Sooners that, that have been on, you know, obviously Blake and Damian last year and, and um, you know, Jamel Flemings, um, Donald Stevenson. We've had guys, so it's pretty fun, you know. And then you get guys like Alex Okafor, you know, some Longhorns in the, in the locker room, and you guys know how, how that is, you know, on an NFL roster. It's pretty fun, uh, especially when those games, those rivalry games roll around. Um, but, uh, yeah, I keep up with the Sooners as much as possible. I'm, I'm still uh, – diehard uh, alumni and fan and and uh, I mean I love watching them as much as possible you know it, it's nice when it works out when uh, you know they play like the late primetime game and you can watch it at the hotel the team hotel you know and everybody's watching it and you know can uh, can wear your uh, Sooner shirt um, you know to, to dinner and throw a couple boomers Billy boomers out there you know in the, in the, in the dining <laughs> hall so uh, yeah it's man I, I love watching them and they've been a lot of fun to watch the last several years quick break do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. 
best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Tell them we sent you. Also, if you are a sports fan, you need to call the great people at Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite teams from home this year, which is why you need to get a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my Wi-Fi has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, back to James. Okay, I have one of my most vivid memories of college football is a moment between you and I. And we were playing at Florida State right and the game had gotten very tight we're punting backed up in the end zone and i am literally i don't know maybe two feet from your face screaming at you and you cannot hear me and i feel like i i think we got back-to-back false starts and oh yeah like they back bob's losing it do you remember that as well as i do oh yeah yes i absolutely remember you know everybody says like hey what were like the loudest stadiums you ever played in and um, Florida State is in my top three. I was like, it got so loud. I mean, my helmet was just ringing, and I'm like, I could not hear the call. I'm like, we got to go, like, audible signals or something. Like, tell me, like, wave at me when you want me to snap it because I cannot hear you. Um, And, yeah, we got back-to-back penalties. I'm pretty sure we were already on, like, the two-yard line, and then – you know, we're like on like the inch yard. I'm like, they, I'm like, they can't back You're us up. You're gonna get a further. penalty. It's a good place to get it. You know, whenever it's only Dude. gonna cost you an inch or two. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, it can't get any worse from here. I mean, this is not what you want. Um, you know, thankfully, I had I had you big guys back there to kind of rely on. Like, hey, if somebody comes through, y'all are gonna smash them. But um, I'm like, just wave at me or something. You know, I think that's only happened maybe one time in the pros, and it was at um, at, at Seattle. And um, I couldn't. I came off the field. I got. You know, I'm looking through my legs. I'm waiting for him to, you know, and he, the PP is just kind of like staring at me. And I'm like, has he said it yet? I mean, I have no idea. So I was just like, I'm going to count to three and snap it. And I just snapped <laughs> it. It worked out great in the situation. Um, and then when I went to the side, I was like, dude, you got to wave at me or something. I, I can't hear you at all. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I have no idea if you're ready for me to snap it or not. So there, there's, but yes, I do remember that against Florida State and it was extremely loud. <laughs> I've got the same exact story, except I was a freshman and it was at Texas A&M. Everyone remembers that game, Torrance Marshall at the interception. Mm -hmm. And Seth Luttrell, who he was the personal protector, um, he played football. He played fullback, but he played with a dip in. (laughs) And so we're at midfield. They stop us on, you know, like a third and short and punt teams out there. The stadium's just incredibly loud. 
and, you know, he starts calling out the protection. I'm the left tackle, and I don't hear anything. I turn around and look, and I'm just kind of looking at him blank. So he comes up and gets, like, face-to-face and screams the, the protection at me. And the only thing I could remember thinking, because I couldn't hear him, but he had, like, tobacco like all over his face whenever he was <laughs> whenever he was screaming it and naturally oh. we messed the protection up and got the pump blocked but oh it's crazy whenever it's so loud you can't hear you know that's that third down stop in a big part of a game especially like you guys when you're backed up it's just it's deafening but that's what makes it fun man those are the oh fun yeah moments. yeah exactly yeah i mean that's it, uh that's what you live for you know and and uh being in those kind of situations and and uh you know, environments. And, uh, we haven't got too many of those environments in the COVID year, you know I mean? With it being, you know, we go play in the, uh, you know, Vegas, uh, new stadium and that place is awesome looking. And like, they didn't play a single crowd noise. They didn't play anything. I mean, it was like, you could hear like the coaches on the other sideline, like yelling at their guys and stuff. And just like, you could hear a pin drop. It was so awkward. And you're like, I've never missed uh, fans in that environment more in my life than this year you know, having that other, other teams, um, you know, and, and organizations did a better job, of, you know, stadiums of playing the noise or anything, but you're exactly right. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's another reason we love the game, you know, I mean, that, that, that environment and that experience. So, so what's the goal? How long do you want to do it? Because I, you, like you said, you're, you're one of the more competitive and driven guys that I played with at OU and is it just do it as long as you can? Like, is there a year you like a year total you want to get to? Like, eh, what's the goal? Yeah, I mean, I would have to say, you know, the goal is to get 10. I think it's cool. It's kind of like, you know, any player that starts playing gets over five years, six years. You know, it's just it's kind of like the benchmark. You know, it's, that would be cool to say, hey, I played 10 years in the league. Um, and then two is just, you know, as long as I'm, uh, you know, obviously healthy, knock on wood and um, enjoying the game. I mean, I absolutely love the game of football and, you know, it didn't work out the way I thought it would, you know, would, uh, would go and, you know, never really honestly um, had a plan to play in the NFL. You know, I mean, I just wanted to play for the Sooners and, and, um, you know, I'm playing at a different position now in the NFL, you know, get to provide for my family and, and, um, you know, get to experience what we have and with the team that we've had and, and Super Bowl champions and, uh, it's incredible, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm still – I honestly, I just love the game. I mean, I love being a part of it, and I've found a position that I can play at. And I tell people all the time, I said, you know, it's wild how it works out. Like, by literally by the grace of God, like, there's one position that I can play in the NFL, and it is long snapper. So, like, I've given up the whole pride of, like, yeah, I could be a wide out or a tight end. I'm like, no, definitely not. <laughs> but, um, dude, I get to play and compete and uh, train in the offseason and do what I love. So, as long as I'm healthy – um, long as my family's in a good position and, and, um, still loving and, you know, going to work every day and, and competing with the guys and, and, um, yeah, I'll keep playing. So what skill have you developed? It seems like every specialist I've ever known, uh, have a lot of off time while everyone else is in meetings and, and yeah. doing everything else. Now it's usually golf, you know, I don't know what, maybe you're a gamer, maybe it's chess. What skill have you picked up and developed since you've been deep snapping? Man, I, you're exactly right. We have a lot too much time on our hands. So, you know, the pranks are usually pretty high up there. We do a lot of, we play a lot of pranks. I wouldn't say that was actually a skill, but you know, maybe if you're really good at it. Um, and then, you know, if anything, you know, I mean, I love to hunt, bow hunt. So, I mean, there's times like I'm packing my camo, um, you know, in the truck and, um, while the dudes are still on the field, like I'm going to the deer stand, things like that. I would <laughs> nice. say when it comes to skill, um, like there, I mean, 
I figured out how to spin a ball on my on my finger. Uh, I, our coach coached um, Coach Toe. He coached in uh, in uh, Chicago for a long time, and he had one of the greatest snappers to play the game, Pat Manley. And he'd always tell me like Manley could like spin a ball on his finger, and I was like, I can't I can't be outdone by that guy. Like I need to figure that out. So I started doing it like every uh, every walkthrough on Saturday mornings, and I've got it down pretty good now. I can I can get it where I can spin it and like keep it going like a basketball. So uh, I guess that would be probably the closest. I'm not a gamer. I, uh, as much as I love, loved playing games in college and Call of Duty and all that, start having kids. I'm like, man, I don't need to play that. Like, it would be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, wife and kids probably should uh, be selective on my hobbies there. So that's, uh, that's what I got for you. I, I've always wondered this because anyone that plays any position in the league, like, you like to watch the other guys that play your position in the NFL. Like, do do you have any deep snappers in the league where you're like, oh, okay, I can learn something from this guy. I can take a thing here. Or is it you've developed your technique, your style, and then you're like, okay, screw all those other guys. I'm doing it my way. Like, how, I, I'm just curious. How does that work? Like, do you have the no, guys? No, you know, you're exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, as you know, uh, both of you guys know, I mean, playing in the NFL, I mean, it's a copycat league. I mean, like, you're always watching guys – you know, that are, um, that are better than you or that you have a certain skill set that you're trying to, you know, perfect and craft. And it goes, you know, the same thing goes for long snapping. I mean, there's guys in the league who, you know, typically what I do is one, I mean, there's always guys, you know, that are just really solid, consistent, um, you know, athletic kind of guys. And, and so, you know, I kind of watch those guys, you know, there's different body types too. You know, I mean, a lot of long snappers are short and squatty. Some guys are tall and lanky and, and, you know, kind of more of a tight end body. So I like to watch those guys, but, uh, there's several. I mean, I mean, I watch Mule um, in uh, Detroit. I watch uh, Morgan Cox. It's um, he's going to be somewhere else this year, but he's been Pro Bowl like four different times. I mean, he might go down as as one of, if not the greatest snapper to play the game. Um, everything from his snaps to to his protection um, to short snaps. I mean, laces. I mean, I, I watch kind of just break down his form and and try to learn as much as I can. And I mean, I've learned from several guys. I'm always watching film and. Um, not only self-scouting myself, but watching guys and, you know, kind of uh, applying that to my off-season training and trying to get better in those ways. Because, um, you know, it really is. It's a copycat league, and you watch those guys, and it's a mechanic. It's like a golf swing, you know. So, I mean, you go back and watch somebody swing a golf club. It's the same thing. A lot of moving parts. Kicking is the same thing, punting. And uh, you just – you know, you really – I had uh, Chris Ballard. He's the GM in, um, in uh, Indianapolis now. He, uh, he probably gave me one of the best pieces of advice my rookie year he congratulated me on, on making the team and, and he's like, Hey, you know, I had Manley for X amount of years in Chicago. You know, he's one of the greatest snappers ever. And he's like, if I could tell you anything, it's just continue to perfect your craft. He's like, you know, you're, you've got all the talent in the world. And he's like, you know, just apply that work ethic and keep perfecting your craft. And I try to apply that in the off season and also during the season, you know, cause you snap so much that you really tend to like work yourself into bad habits and you don't even know you're in a bad habit. And then you're like, Oh shoot, why am I throwing a wobbly ball? Why am I throwing it high, low? And so you're always constantly kind of, um, you know, um, manicuring that snap and, and those um, fundamentals and, and mechanics. So it, uh, I, I like watching those guys back to your question. Um, you know, there's several guys like Morgan Cox, Mule in Detroit, uh, Bo Brinkley, that's formerly in Tennessee, several guys. They're, uh, they're good at what they do. They're professionals and, and uh, you know, kind of want to be like those guys. I love being around people that are passionate about what they do. And uh, I'm pretty sure you just blacked out right there talking about long snapping. You <laughs> yeah. just went, you, you never thought you, hey, you never thought you never thought you could go was awesome. so in detail with long snapping, did you? Yeah. One last question. We'll let you run. 
how much we drinking at Blake Bell's wedding this weekend? <laughs> um, I'm gonna have a couple glasses of water. See, yeah, Gabe, you're you're in shape. Uh, he's just getting done with the season. He's not he's not a seasoned vet right now. You've been <laughs> off season for a uh, off seasoning for a while now. He'll be fine. He'll be <laughs> yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. Well, you can look at it the other way too. I mean, Blake's been you know he's what he's been off for a month and a half. I mean, a little over a month. I mean, I like to rub that in his face a little bit too. But he, uh, you know, he, he's gotten warmed up. Um, we've been in a little in season shape. So you know, we were hoping to do a little more celebratory. Uh, this week that didn't happen, so um, I guess we're gonna have to find out in Dallas. So I mean, we gotta celebrate something. I mean, yep. we didn't get to celebrate the Super Bowl, so I guess I guess we'll go celebrate Blakey Boy in, in, uh, in Dallas on Friday night. Yeah, we'll celebrate Blake and Lindsay. It'll be like you won the Super Bowl, man. It'll be okay. There oh, and go. by the way, uh, I'm I'm gonna be a dad in June, and I will be bringing uh, I will be bringing my son to Uncle James's, <sighs> so you can teach him how to long snap. Okay. absolutely hey All congratulations right. dude that is awesome you said june june baby man congratulations you guys that's uh that's awesome prayers for a healthy healthy baby all right james see you this weekend oh, yeah. man appreciate the time yeah guys thanks for having me on see ya wasn't an easy path for my man winchester ted like and and i, I loved how he went so in depth with all those stories like it's so difficult to get one of those jobs in the league and you know, now he he's he's settled. He's that guy there in Kansas City. Yeah, it's tough. And whenever you do get it and you approach it the way he approaches it, takes it very seriously, always trying to improve, always working on his craft. You play for a long time, and there is no better gig other than maybe backup quarterback than than deep snapper in the NFL. You make great money. You don't have to spend all the time at practice and in meetings like all the other guys. Your body doesn't get absolutely destroyed. It's it's fantastic. I was dead serious. I'm gonna make uh, I'm gonna make him teach. I, I don't know how many sons I'm gonna have. I'm gonna start with the one here. I'm gonna make him teach my kids the deep snap. There's no doubt. I, I think I I regret every single day that I didn't know how to deep snap. You don't snap. know how to deep snap at all? Nope. Not at all. Never done it. Not once. Hmm. Right? I, I huge mistake. I know. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I get it. Would I be well, playing in the NFL as a deep snapper right now? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Every, every single person that stands around a football field for 10 hours a day like we did and doesn't learn how to deep snap is really hurting themselves. We're all morons. Idiots. All morons. Yep. It's stupid. You just throw it through your legs. It's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. This stuff's hard. Okay, uh, let's move on to National College Football Roundup. and Just a couple pieces of college football news. And got to start with this. Coming off the most successful season in school history, Matt Campbell has signed an extension at Iowa State that will keep him under contract through 2028. Now, he was already locked up through 2025 at an average of three and a half mil a year. So probably getting some cash on top of that, especially with all the interest he's received from NFL teams and from we assume other college programs, but maybe the most important thing in the deal, Ted, is that Iowa State will spend an additional $3 million over the next three years on salaries for his assistant coaches. That's huge. That's huge, Teddy. That 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 allows Matt Campbell to keep his guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how all that's going to be dispersed, but that is – 
that's massive. My guess is that probably takes it up, I mean, 50% or more from where it is right now, maybe a full 100%. Um, when, when you're talking about $3 million over the next three years, I mean, that's huge money. That's, that's as important as anything. And, you know, I love Campbell. I love everything that he's done. But, you know, part of the success there is a great defensive coordinator, uh, coordinator in Heacock. He's done – uh, good on the the offensive side as well, putting together a staff. So that's absolutely critical. But locking him up until 2028 is – that's just – that's huge for them. I mean, that's massive. Now, we don't know what the buyout money looks like. We don't know, like, how 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 tough it is for someone to come in and poach him away. Uh, but my guess is whenever they restructure – it's like, we'll give you some more money, but we're going to also ask for more if someone was going to come and try and take you from us. So can't wait to see what that buyout looks like. But this is huge for them. And I feel like one of the problems for Iowa State is anytime they're actually in on a kid that's pretty good, what's every single coaching staff going to say? Well, you can't go to Iowa State. Campbell's going to be gone in a year. He's going to take the next big job. He's going to take Michigan when it comes open or Notre Dame or or an NFL job, he's just not going to be there. So signing him through 2028 gives them the ability to go on the recruiting trail and say, it's not true at all. L- listen, I just signed an extension through 2028. I'm here for the duration. So I think it's great. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's huge for their program. Uh, as far as the assistant salaries, keeping those guys is so important. Uh, continuity on a coaching staff is so important to building a culture there within a program. And the thing that Iowa State really hasn't had to deal with, right, and I think why it's so important that they've got this extra $3 million now for those assistants, they haven't been a program that's had a ton of success. But they're having success now. And when you have success at a program that traditionally doesn't have success, people start coming for your guys. I mean, that's how it works. You know, we, we've seen a bunch of teams across the country try to emulate what they do defensively, right? Uh, I think they've gotten a lot of people's attention with the, their scheme offensively. Now, doing it different, right? Doing something different than the rest of the conference. But this gives Campbell more money to keep those guys if other schools come after him. Also, I, I do want to say Jamie Pollard, I think he's one of the best ADs in all of college athletics, but this guy continues to teach a master class in how to keep a big time coach at Iowa State. He he continues to give Matt Campbell what he asked for. And I, I don't think Matt Campbell is ridiculous with his requests, but he knows what it takes to build a winner. Right. I, I think he knows and you you look at this extension, but also what people may not realize is here in a couple of weeks, they're going to move into a brand new $90 million athletic facility. And it's no coincidence, right? I, I think that Matt Campbell feels so comfortable at Iowa state. And I've had some people ask me, I was doing my big 12 show. Why, why does he want to stay there? And I'm not sure people put enough stock into a coach's quality of life. And I know that sounds weird, but could he be making more money, maybe double somewhere else close to it? Probably. But 
he, he he's a low key guy and they give him everything he asks for. They let him do what he wants. They stay out of his way. They let him do it exactly the way he wants to do it. Like, can you really put a price on that? I mean, he's got to be one of the happiest coaches in the world, Teddy. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any question to that. I mean, here's the other thing, too. And if you're Iowa State, if someone tries to come and hire him for $6 million a year, let's say they're going to, his new contract's going to pay him what, four and a half, average four and a half. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a, a million dollar a year raise over the duration, right? Let's say someone wants to come in and, and pay him five and a half or six million dollars a year to come to an upgraded, what they consider to be an upgraded job. How stupid do you have to be if you're Iowa State? to let a million, two million, hell, three million, five million a year. Like, what's the number where it makes sense to let a guy leave and go back to sucking forever? Like, why is that? I mean, I heard Pollard talking about the numbers that they bring in revenue-wise and how much this year was going to hurt them and how much they were going to lose. But I heard the numbers he's throwing out there. And with those numbers he's throwing out there, you can find a way – to give Campbell more money. I mean, you can go to your donors and be like, guys, do we want to be relevant? Do we want to be a top 10 football team? Do we want to compete for the Big 12? Or do we want to suck? And to me, it's it's an easy decision that you're always going to pay your guy more. And at some point, maybe you can't keep him there because he feels like he can't win a championship and chase that down. But I mean, you continue just like they've done, Gabe. You keep doing that. You keep giving him what he asked for. As long as the results are, are showing up on the field, you keep giving him what he asked for because, you know, they're they're getting the slam dunk deal right now for how much they're paying for a, a top 10 football team that routinely is beating Oklahoma or playing them in incredibly tight games. You're getting the deal, and that's not going to happen forever. You can't get a deal and ask a coach that is, you know, getting offers all over the place to stay at your school. That's not going to happen. At some point, you're going to have to pay the piper. And when that time comes to start paying him like a top 10 coach is paid, do it. And don't even think twice about it. I, I'm completely with you. Uh, I think you do whatever you got to do to hold on to him. And I, I hope they do. I hope he's there for a long time because I know this is hard for some people to understand, but it's good for OU and it's good for the big 12. If Iowa state is consistently good. I mean, it, to have another well-respected team in the conference, we'll see what happens with Sark there in Texas. We'll see if he gets that program back to where it should be. But you look at Iowa State right now, and I know it's not easy to recruit there. I know they'll probably have some down years every once in a while, but they do look like a program that can maybe be a consistent number two team in this conference. And frankly, OU needs that, man. The Big 12 needs it, Ted. I mean, they they, they got to have a team that can push OU. No, I agree 100%. Here's the other part of that, you know, Iowa State needs to stop screwing off in non-conference. They need to stop losing to teams like Louisiana, um, 
Iowa, losing to Iowa in like seven to three football games. <laughs> they gotta start beating Iowa. I don't I don't think Campbell hadn't beaten Iowa since he's been there, I don't think. No, he hadn't. And they get him they get him in Ames next season. So that that's a game they should win. Inexcusable if they lose to Iowa. Inexcusable if they start Big Twelve play with a loss. It should not happen. They're better than that. I see the team that plays Oklahoma every year. That team should not be losing to Iowa, okay? Shouldn't happen. Yeah, one one other thing, uh, college football news. Notre Dame and Florida announced a home-and-home series in 2031 and 2032. The only reason I bring this up is because some of us thought, I wasn't one of them, but some people thought that you know scheduling may change after what schools showed they could pull off during the coronavirus stuff. Remember when Coastal Carolina and BYU put together a game in like two days? Well, we thought, okay, well, maybe that'll make scheduling a little more flexible. Uh, Absolutely not, Ted. Looks like nothing's changing, buddy. Yeah, well, your unborn son will be in the fifth grade whenever this football game happens. How about that? Look at the quick math on you. Gosh, big brain Ted this episode. I don't even know if that's right. That's just I have no idea. I, that's, that's how stupid I am. I was like, you know what? He's right. I trust him. Okay, let's move on to our winners and losers of the week. But first, Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is constantly voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. February 1st through 13th is the keys to my heart. The more points wildcard members earn in that time, the more entries they will get in the drawings on February 13th where they can win cash and bonus play. Oh, and one lucky winner can take home an Audi A5 2021 brand new. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. And also... Make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers to get on the path to losing weight. Call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Okay, Ted, who do you have you? That that wasn't even English. I I went into like ad read mode trying to (laughs) say, I don't even know what I just tried to say there, but who do you have? There you go. There it is. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I thought about going with the Super Bowl streaker who apparently bet $50,000 on himself that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl plus 750 to win 375k but uh, I don't know if I believe it. I mean, if I'm a sports book and some some Yahoo comes in there and lays 50k that there's going to be a streaker at the Super Bowl, I don't know that I'm taking that bet. Alarm you should go off. Alarm should go off, but I thought about going there but I'm going with the win now NFL. 
I love it. We've never seen anything like this when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, we saw the move with Stafford and Goff. There's rumors out there about all of a sudden Russell Wilson in Seattle, uh, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan down in Atlanta, uh, Carson Wentz, even rumors, people getting worried about Dak Prescott going to Washington. I mean, there's some really you followed interesting him on Instagram. Stuff. I know that's got to mean something. So it's really interesting to see this happen in the NFL for the longest time. You, you got a quarterback, you drafted a quarterback, and you waited and waited and waited for him to turn out, to turn into a winner, to start winning games, and you just gave more time and more time. Not anymore. It's win now, win instantly. If you're not doing it, we're going to trade, we're going to get value, and we're going to draft a guy because you know, whether some of the older vets like it or not, the young kids coming into the NFL – the success rate on hitting on draft picks at the quarterback position has to be at the highest it's ever been. Yeah. I, I kind of like it. It's starting to feel more like the NBA. Yeah. I right? agree. I, it's, it, it's kind of fun, but you mentioned, yeah, I saw all the stuff Russell Wilson said, right. Wants to be a little more protected, a little tired of getting hit. Uh, I, I think the NFL needs all the drama it can get. Right. I, I, I think, because the NBA does that stuff so well in the off season they've done now the NFL does a great job too, but especially when it's the quarterbacks, give me all the drama, baby. I love it. No, I agree. I think it's awesome. I think, you know, the few times that it's happened, like we have like helicopters following Peyton Manning to the jet <laughs> to see like where he's Speaking flying. Of which, did and- you see that private jet he flew Oof. to the Super Bowl on? Oh my God. Wow, that was unbelievable. Yeah, that was I mean, there's flying private and then there's whatever the heck that is. And that was that was amazing. But no, Impressive. I love it. I think it's great for the NFL. I think it drives the offseason. It gives guys like you and I something to talk about, which that's what we want, right? That's exactly what we want. Thank you, NFL. Give us the drama. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? I'm sorry, but <sighs> It has to be LeBron James. I'm not a LeBron hater. I don't like some of the things that he does. I think he's unbelievable. But when it comes to this all-star game stuff, I don't understand the attitude with him and playing the all-star game. I mean, I, I hate whenever people just say, well, as much as money as you're making. But in this instance, I mean, the reason they have the all-star game, it's not just to drag all of these guys into a place to play a basketball game that doesn't mean anything. They do it to make money. They do it to make the league money. They do it to expand the reach of the league. They do it to get a ton of eyeballs on the superstars of this league. So they get endorsement deals. So they get bigger contracts. The, le- the more money the league makes the more money the players make. And here's the thing, man. I know he makes $45 million a year, and it doesn't matter because of all the endorsements and everything. Like, he could care less. He's going to get that no matter what. But not everyone on the roster is in the same boat. Not everyone on every team is in the same boat. And if you can show up, play in a glorified pickup game, and probably get paid a ton of money from sponsors to to – 
drink Sprite or something during the breaks. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> if you can do that, you can make the pie bigger for everyone in the NBA. So I don't know why there has to be all this pushback and everything against the all-star game. Embrace it. Embrace the fact that it's, it's to draw interest into your sport so you guys can continue to grow and show up with, put a smile on your face and play the game. And uh, the, no one does a better job marketing their stars than the NBA, right? That's now it's been kind of detrimental to how fandom works now in the NBA with people, you know, following players instead of teams now, but you know, it is what it is, but the all-star game is not just about the NBA brand, right? It, it is an opportunity for the players. First of all, they get paid to go to the all-star right. game. Like you, and some, some guys obviously have those incentives in their contract for an all-star bonus, that type of thing. But it, it is also a great opportunity for all of those guys to market themselves to grow their personal brand, which has become so important for NBA players. Like I, I know LeBron doesn't need any more exposure, but I guarantee you Nike wants them showing the custom shoes that he's going to get for the all-star game. That tequila company he's in now, like they want him in it. Like, you, you look at all of the other people that benefit from it. Yeah. There's no doubt, but but the players get a ton out of it. That's why I don't feel bad for them. Now I understand them be like, okay, we're having to do all these protocols. Like it's annoying. Like, why are we doing the all-star game? Well, because of money, we all know that and, and they're getting a lot of it. So I, I'm kind of with you on the complaining where I'm like, eh, I'm kind of torn on it, but yeah, just, just show up and play in the all-star game. That's kind of where I'm at. I think you will. I mean, I think, I think for whatever reason, I think it's maybe posturing. I don't know what he has to gain. He's got but, a lot of pull. Well, this is also the guy that said that he's not playing if he's not playing in front of fans. And lo and behold, he's playing, and he's not playing in front of fans. So um, I hope that he shows up and they put on a good all-star game, and I think they will. Yeah. Okay, my winner of the week. Uh, now, I thought about going with sports books because have you seen some of these numbers Oof. that they brought in? What, Vegas sports books, uh, $13 million, New Jersey sports Sportsbooks netted 11.3 million, Illinois 7.7, Pennsylvania 9.4, Oklahoma Sportsbook $0. What the hell? What are we doing? What are we doing? We could have been making money for the people. Well, I'll tell you what's funny is, you know, you and I both picked the Bucks to win the football game. And you put it great. You got to win the line of scrimmage. Kansas City's not going to be able to block Tampa Bay. They, I mean, they've Tampa's got the edge on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, a lot of the other stuff's not necessarily a wash, but it's close enough to where that's going to be the difference. And it was. And I saw everyone the day after, like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, Kansas City, they just couldn't block them. It's like, well, you should have known that before the game. Like, nothing changed the day of the game as far as like the lineup and the guys that were going to be out, don't just dismiss it as if it's like no big deal. And you, well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, of course, Kansas city, it would, everyone picked Kansas city, knowing Except well that they should have been us. able to block them. Right. I mean, I love that how everyone just dismisses it as if it's like an obvious thing. Yet all of those same people picked Kansas city to win the game. I will say this. Remember, I was in Vegas 
a couple weekends ago uh, during the conference championship games. I had yeah. a few friends that were staying to the next day, and I uh, I had them make a wager on my behalf. And I would like to thank the Tampa Bay Buccaneers money line for paying my car payment for a couple of years. Shout out to you boys. <laughs> Proud of you guys. Yes. I yeah. Love let's go. Oh, but, now, but my, unfortunately for me, I was going to say that, yeah, I picked Tampa Bay to win the game, but also during points of this year, I picked green Bay to win it. I picked Pittsburgh before the season to win it. Like I've been kind of Pittsburgh just fell apart, <laughs> fell God, apart. Fell, but yeah, uh, we should have been able to bet on that uh, on our phones here in the state of Oklahoma. Just saying, just something to think about, guys. Just something to think about. But my winner of the week is Shea Gilgis Alexander because the more I watch him, I, I think he's playing at an all star level. You mentioned the all star game, Ted. Uh, he had, what was it, Monday night? He had 29, 10, and 7 against the Lakers, right? Hit those clutch free throws to send it to overtime. Uh, but he's just showed so much improvement around the rim, his ability to play through contact, his ability to stay on balance now and finish. I mean, there, there's been so much improvement. He's up to 38% now from three on the year. It's going to be really, really hard for him to make the all-star team in the West because you just look at the spots, right? You only get 12 guys. And I was thinking about it, and LeBron's a lock. Anthony Davis is a lock. Steph's a lock. Dame Lillard's probably a lock. Uh, Doncic is a lock. Uh, Jokic is playing unbelievable. Kawhi, Paul George. So you're already up to eight. What Utah's got the best record in the league. So that you got to put what Donovan Mitchell. So that's nine. All of a sudden, you're you think about it. There's only three spots left, and I wonder if he'll be able to get in there. He deserves to get in there because he's playing damn good basketball, but. You start talking about, you know, Ingram and Zion there in New Orleans. De'Aaron Fox is playing really well out in Sacramento. You got John Morant, right? Uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. I I don't know if he's going to make it, but I, I just want Shea Gildress Alexander because I'm sure he listens to this podcast every does. time. Doesn't miss one. I, I just want him to know he deserves to be an all-star. He's playing all-star caliber basketball, even if he doesn't make it. Yeah, I mean, one of the problems for him is, for the first time, Oklahoma City is like a true small market team, right? For pretty much the entire duration, we've had superstars galore here, and Oklahoma City was well-known across the league. Everyone knew our entire roster. Well, that's changed here recently, and I think that's probably um, – going to be what maybe does him in as far as making the all-star game is because of some of those other the just the well-known names that that are in a little bit bigger markets and a little bit more well-known across the league yeah also is it fan, fan voting is critical yeah what was he like ninth in the initial yeah. and that was just for guards like ninth in the initial fan voting there in the West. So it seems like it's an uphill battle, but SGA, you deserve it. You're playing damn good. Okay. My loser of the week. Now I thought about going with the golf courses that are hosted the majors that the PGA of America is putting on this season. Do you see this? Because they announced the let golfers men and women, right? Because there's, there's the women PGA championship, the senior PGA, and then the PGA, I think it's at like Kiowa Island this year. They're going to let them use range finders 
What? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They're going to destroy these courses. Like, they're just going to be throwing darts into the green with rangefinders, right? I'm not crazy. Well, I mean, I just, I don't understand why. I mean, they're basically eliminating the caddy position, you know, which maybe they don't do anything anyways. Maybe those guys already know and all the yardage books are, are so locked in and dialed in that, that they don't need the caddies as it is right now. But I mean, I don't know why I think it's so stupid, but I think it's stupid. Do you think it'll speed it up? Do you think no. like, them being able to shoot it or do you still no. think they'll take forever and like have a two minute conversation? No, it's not going to speed it up. Jordan Spieth is still going to walk around, check the yardage, <laughs> check the grass, check the dampness of the grass, walk back over, check the flagstick, check the wind, talk to his caddy, argue with his caddy, ask for a rules official, go back out, look. God, I can't stand watching him play golf. He's still going to be slower than ever. Did you? Uh, I'm guessing you didn't enjoy the waste management then when he was the last as couple soon, days. Let me tell you something. I turned it on. And I saw that he was in contention. I was like, dang it. And then I watched a couple of holes. And then I saw him just, you know, tug that drive on the par five over into the water. And, you know, the the hopes just came crashing down. So that was nice to see. Just put a smile on your face. Uh, Okay, but my loser of the week. Now, I probably should have gone with whoever decided uh, the Washington Post article about marty schottenheimer was okay did you see the title of that and i know something one thing about journalism the author isn't always responsible for the title usually that's the editor but this this was the title of that article marty schottenheimer nfl coach whose teams wilted in the postseason dies at 77 i mean my god show some respect people that was brutal how does that happen I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'll tell you how it happens. Because we allow crap like that in this country. That that should get you slapped. Like anyone who knows like if, if if you know who wrote that and who was responsible for it, not only who wrote it, but who okayed it and who sent it to print and who actually printed it. Any one of those people should be slapped. I mean that's that's so disrespectful. And the editor that printed it is garbage. <laughs> garbage. I, I mean, it's I don't know how that how that happens. With all the things that people get hammered for, this is allowed to make it out onto onto print. It's a disgrace, man. Yeah. It's it's disgraceful. Yeah, that should have been my loser of the week, but I've owe you basketball as my loser of the week. Now follow me on this. <laughs> Just follow me because it's more of a prediction of what's to come than anything. So they didn't have to play Baylor this week, which, you know, they probably avoided a loss there. So you can chalk that up as a win kind of in a weird way, but they got to go to West Virginia this weekend. And I'm really not sure how this one's going to go for them. Uh, don't have a great answer for Derek Culver, uh, their big man. Uh, I know that Kirk West can try to handle him. I, I don't know how well that's going to go. And, I know Brady Manick will battle his ass off, but uh, I'm not entirely sure how that one is going to go either. But I, I think Deuce McBride is one of the more underrated players in the country. He, he is really coming on for them uh, at the point guard position. And West Virginia Coliseum allowing a 
few more fans now and not an easy place to play. So it seems like the Mountaineers are starting to figure some things out and that could be a tough road trip this weekend for the Sooners, Ted. No, I agree. So tell me if you agree with this. I've got OU losing at West Virginia, beating Texas at home, beating Iowa State and Kansas State, and then splitting with Oklahoma State in the final two. So they'd be four and two in the final six games. That seems very doable for them. That yeah, I, I, think, I think that'd be a good finish that'd be to great. the season. Yeah, completely agree. And I think, honestly, I think there's a chance that they win both against Oklahoma State. Uh, and that would be a five and one finish. But, you know, I, I pro- I'd still put them as, at a split there. Are they rescheduling the Baylor game or no? Is that done? They haven't discussed it because Baylor's missing like five straight games Yeah. now. So they're not going to be able to make up all of those. Uh, I wonder if they're going to prioritize them some form of fashion. But also, like, if you're Bob Bowlesby in the Big 12, you you want Baylor being you, – you want them to get healthy, obviously, but you, you don't want to overwork them the week heading into the Big 12 tournament and then they're going in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't know. It, it seems like there's going to be a – tricky balancing act there for the big 12 to kind of decide what to do with them. Did I read this correctly? Baylor tests every single student on campus every single day. What? I think that's the case. I think they test every student every single day. Huh? They built a lab. Why are they stopping so many times? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. What are those students I mean, doing in Waco? The article I read could have been wrong, but the, what I read was that they built their own lab to process all of this stuff, and they test every single student every single day. That could be wrong, but if it's wrong, like, if it's it wrong, don't wrong. blame us. <laughs> okay. Well, episode eighty-five in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning if uh, Teddy survives Mexico. We'll we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, just a reminder. Wait, yeah, I assume you're taking the week off from radio, so they can't hear you from two to six on Sports Talk fourteen hundred, can they? No, they cannot. Not mm. this week. So just listen to the podcast. That's all you get mm-hmm. of Teddy this week. You can yeah. hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big Twelve Radio Channel three seventy five. Hope you all have a great rest of the week and a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.